Welcome to the special segment, Check Your Six, of the 7-8 Hour Podcast. This week, we're going to recap some of the action that happened in week six, and as usual, I'm going to call out the matches that I'm looking forward to coming up in week seven. And now, let me remind you that this is week seven. That means there are only three games left before we go into the playoffs. So now you're starting to see the separation of teams who are very clearly going to make it from the teams who are already out of the race or very, very likely to be out of the race that you can pretty much just write them off right now. But the middle is getting juicy and every match counts. Every tie is a setback. Every loss is pure devastation. Diving into week six results, we had a two-way tie for first place between UC San Diego and UC Davis. Now, we see UC San Diego pull out the win 7-5 on map 1 and 8-7 on map 2. This was such a close game by those numbers, and when you look at the teams by the numbers in all of their previous matches, these teams are right neck and neck with each other despite the round differential difference. The difference in this game probably came down to clutching a couple rounds back to back or just a, a handful of mistakes that played out and changed a single round here or there or changed momentum. No one shouldn't walk away from this match disappointed and UC Davis has the opportunity, three more opportunities actually, to catch up to UC San Diego with that three point lead of theirs. With this game, there was a great chance that UC Davis could have made an adjustment here or there and that three round difference goes in their favor. Despite the loss, UC Davis is snugly in second place with a three-point lead over Northern Arizona. Moving on to Simon Frazier versus Embry-Riddle. There was a slim round differential between the two, but it was the difference between two rounds, 19 to 17, that decided Simon Frazier's one tie over Embry-Riddle's second loss. With rounds that close, there was no way to tell how this was going to go, and the maps reflect that. 7-4 to four and 8-6 to six for Simon Frazier. With the win, they stick it to UC Irvine and stay tied for second place in their group despite the 20-round differential, 44-24 to 24 in UC Irvine's favor. Keeps them in the running with just three more matches left before playoffs. A very similar tale between Houston and Illinois Tech two-round differential between the two of the week. I think that this is the match I wish I could have watched because it's 100% not what I expected to happen. 7-0, 7-3 for Houston. For two teams that were so close in the numbers, how could this have happened? Did the meta shift too much when they introduced Cade and Nomad into the playable operators pool? Were substitutes playing? Was the bug in the 6th pick enough to throw off their plans? It's hard to say how much it made a difference without trying to find a stream or finding out what happened from the players, but this has got to be a devastating setback when you see the number 1 team going against the number 2 team and they are so close together. Man, you expect a game out of it for sure. Despite the loss, Illinois Tech still sits at 2nd place with a two-point lead over Angelo State. 
this is my group drama matchup for the week. There were three matches. Arkansas Tech versus Abilene Christian. Oklahoma State versus Texas AMU. And then Maryville versus Rutgers. So you had a three-way tie and then fifth place being Arkansas Tech. Abilene Christian pulled off the tie against Arkansas Tech. Amazing. They needed a win to really pull ahead, but the tie gives them one point. Now, Oklahoma State was going against the same group's number one team, Texas A&M. So that's a not a hill you want to try and climb. But they attempted, and the result is about what you expected. Texas A&M takes out Oklahoma State, putting Oklahoma State at one win, one tie, and four losses. Texas A&M, of course, being the top of the group, sitting at five and one, or five wins, one tie, no losses at this point. Now, that might have set Oklahoma State back a step, but the third team that was in that three-way tie, Maryville, they had to play the number one team of Viper Group 3. So that was Rutgers. So you had two teams facing off against the number ones and then a matchup kind of in the middle, right next to each other. With the tie of one point going towards Abilene Christian, that put them on top of the other two teams who were tied. Now, Maryville, they lost to Rutgers. Again, kind of what you would expect at this point of the tournament with where the numbers sit. But Oklahoma and Maryville are still tied, and Abilene Christian is now on the precipice of making it into the playoffs. They just have to hold on to that one-point lead for the next three weeks. The last match from week six that I called out was West Virginia versus Norwick. These two teams had a one point difference with West Virginia being in first place and Norwick being in second place with 13 points. West Virginia had 14. Coming into this week, West Virginia had 13 points and Norwick had 12 points. So that one point differential was haunting them. Now, Norwick actually had what you might consider an advantage or might be considered the more well-polished machine because their round differential was 41 over West Virginia's 33. So depending on who, how you stack up their opponents, you might say Norwick either had an easier season up to this point or they're just a better team. We'll have to measure things in the postseason just to see where these rosters really fell. But these two teams ended up tying, getting only one point, which allowed Liberty University to sneak past both teams and take first place away from West Virginia. It's highly unlikely that this will really play out in any significant way as we go into the playoffs because the lowest teams on Eagle Group 2, where Liberty, West Virginia, and Norwich reside, they're so far out of the point standings that you can probably call your top six teams coming into the playoffs. Moving into week seven matchups in Lion Group 2, we have British Columbia versus Washington State. Now, British Columbia is sitting at number one in the group at five wins, one tie, and zero losses, and a round differential of 55. So they have absolutely and very clearly put the smackdown on their opponents up to this point. 
though Washington State aren't any slouches. They've held off in this group four wins, one tie, and one loss, which puts them tied for third place. A win for Washington would just make the top of this group even more interesting to watch and see how they claw and scrape the next few matches over the next few weeks to see where that seeds them in the playoffs. A win for Washington State would tie them in points with British Columbia and the chance of pulling ahead of who they're currently tied against, CSU Long Beach. Arizona State also very likely to win their next match with 15 points, 5 wins, and only 1 loss. It's hard to imagine them not winning their next match, but if they don't and they do a tie, it puts them in a three-way tie with Washington State if they can pull off a victory, which I believe that would be the tightest race for first, second, and third in all of Collegiate R6. Now, I just got done talking about Oklahoma and Maryville. Tied for seventh place in their group, they just fell one point behind Abilene Christian, and that was their three-way tie that we had going into week, week six. But now, the two bottom teams get to duke it out. Oklahoma State versus Maryville. I don't know if it'll be a very technical match. I don't know if it'll be a very clean match. My guess is it'll be the best that we can get from them. And it's going to be a slugfest. Nothing better than watching two teams just claw and fight to try and find their way. Now, a win here, while Abilene Christian is only one point ahead of them, assuming Abilene Christian can't pull off another win, the winner of this is actually going to overtake them again. And depending on how the other points break down, you might even see that team start pulling ahead in the points and start pulling away from the other two that are so close to being tied with them. From Viper Group 3, we have University of North Carolina Charlotte and New Jersey Institute of Technology. Call this match out because these two teams are really close. Round differential in an advantage for UNC Charlotte of 8 versus NJIT's 6. And that two rounds is the difference between a win for New Jersey Institute of Technology and that second tie that they have right now. So a two-point difference between the two, very close round differential. It makes me think that Viper Group 3 is actually a lot closer together in skill than I originally thought at the beginning of the season after seeing a few weeks of competition. A win for New Jersey definitely puts them in the race for being seated higher than fifth seed for the playoffs. But, you know, crazy things can happen and maybe this is just where they start to fall out of that race. It gives Louisiana Lafayette an opportunity to take that fifth seed away from them. This next match I'm calling out actually is played across groups. So this is Lion Group 1, Utah, versus Falcon Group 1, Illinois State. I can't really say Illinois State is favored to win this one by any margin, but at the end of the day, the variance is within reason that Utah can win this. However, the interesting bit is the shakeup that happens if Illinois State wins. They will proceed to second or third place overall in the group, up from fourth. 
The current second and third place teams are Illinois Tech, four wins, two losses, plus 10 round differential, while Angelo State is three wins, one tie, and two losses with a plus 15 round differential. If Illinois Tech and Illinois State win, Angelo State will move to fourth place. Illinois Tech would have 15 points, the state would have 12. Going into week seven, the last teams who are perfect are from Eagle Group 1, Ohio State. From Eagle Group 1 as well, and still Ontario IT. From Falcon Group 2, Iowa State. And from Viper Group 2, Central Florida. That's it for this week's Check Your Six. We all have more interviews and more podcasts coming up as the action for week seven comes to an end. Thanks for taking a listen and taking an interest in this podcast. And you don't have to worry about a thing because I've got your six. First, I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast. And if you could do me one more favor, And that is tell your friends and family about this podcast. I'm sure you know someone who can get value from this podcast. And I believe this podcast does provide value for understanding collegiate esports, perspective on esports in general, as well as game development. Now, one really cool feature about this podcast is that if you use the Anchor app, you will be able to record feedback and send it directly to me where I can incorporate it right into the podcast. If using the Anchor app is not quite your style, you can reach me on social media. That's Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, YouTube, Mixer, all under the name Warlock Recall. Thanks again for listening. I very much appreciate it. And I will catch you next time on The Summoning Hour.